I think a lot of competitors, even with the amount of information out there now, until you literally try everything, you still have a lot of questions. You don't know if this approach will work or if that approach will work. Consider the length of time that you need and then consider that it's probably going to be longer than you think. You just really can't put a calculation on how long just such a rigid diet can take a mental toll on you. Some of the biggest misunderstandings come from somebody getting ready for their contest and they think they've got it mapped out. They think they know just with linear math when they're going to look their best. And very, very few people get there. We can't give you everything up front. And that's always the hardest part of a coach is giving a client enough information and then not enough. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Contest Prep University Frat House Edition. I'm Joe Kumzeski with my man, Adam Atkinson. We are going to talk about what Adam has termed basic dieting. So I have a couple questions of what you exactly mean by that, Adam, because we can go in a lot of different directions. Um, in, in this particular long form, longish form session, we can really dive into something with a little more specificity. And, and I'd, I'd like to do that, but I know you have some, some thoughts in mind, but I, I had a perfect frame that came up today that we can, we can put this in. And it's that I was on the phone with a, a prospective client who was interested in, in contest prep coaching. She's somebody who's fantastic. I mean, her genetics, her physique, what she's accomplished so far as a drug-free female bodybuilder. I took one look at her photos and I said, she's going to win a pro world championship. I just, I mean, she just has it. And when we started talking, uh, she has not worked with a lot of coaches at all. I think just one prior and did not reach that threshold and then had done some work on her own. And when I asked her, tell me about your past experiences, what kind of nutrition tactics strategy did you use? What did you do? It was kind of just meandering around, experimenting, trying to see what works and what doesn't. And, and I think a lot of competitors, even with the amount of information out there now, until you literally try everything, you still have a lot of questions. You don't know if this approach will work or if that approach will work. And so I think this is a great, great topic to dive into and, and start from the ground up, you know, basic contest prep nutrition. What are the principles that we use to get into that kind of condition? Almost anybody, I would say, could lose 20, 30, 40 pounds. But when you're getting under your metabolic set point, you're getting into single digit, low single digit body fat comp levels. How do you do it? How do you preserve muscle? How do you maintain your metabolic capacity? So that said, Adam, to you, where do we start? What's basic bodybuilding contest prep nutrition? Yeah. So when I was thinking about, you know, starting this section of our podcast and what we would go over is just the understanding of, you know, protein, carbs, and fats, and, you know, what sources those come from, and maybe why fats are lower than carbs, you know, calorically from a caloric perspective, um, the understanding of needing to be a calorie deficit, no matter if it's keto, high carb, high protein, all of these things will work in a calorie deficit at the 
you know, the same calories. So you could structure a keto diet to be the same calories as a high carb or a low carb diet. And if you're in a deficit that you will lose. Um, so kind of having those as basics, um, a basic understanding of appropriate loss. Um, when should we potentially add food back in? You know, if you lose four pounds in a week, we don't want to do that probably two weeks in a row. We might let it slide week one if there's an initial glycogen shift. And the reason why we might modulate calories up if somebody is progressing too quickly. So kind of going over all those fundamentals. Um, I would even say we need to throw food sources, digestion into the mix. Uh, I've had some people come to me and they say, I couldn't do carbs because I felt bloated. Well, maybe it was the types of carbs they were eating. Maybe they were eating a ton of fiber to fit their carbs because it already sounds like there's a fear factor involved with this person and carbs. So some people think, well, I'll just consume a bunch of fiber and uh, fiber's free or, you know, there's a lot of reasons people think the way that they do. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong because they're a beginner, but you just really need to break down what everyone's doing, what they're thinking and their mindset behind why they think that way. Or, you know, maybe they actually do have a, a positive experience that's beneficial to you as a coach on why they have learned that about themselves. Perfect. Perfect. And you made me think going all the way to that level of basic, I just got invited uh, to be interviewed on a podcast. The topic being, if it fits your macros versus flexible dieting, what's the difference? And to me, that just gives a little bit of framework for structure versus flexibility, because as I think most people use, if it fits your macros, there just basically is no structure needed in that. It's, it's almost culturally a little bit of a rebellion away from any structure. You know, if it fits your macros, just see how much shit you can eat. And, and if you do the math, you'll still lose weight. Flexible dieting still accounts for health principles, health values, physiological appropriateness for your goals. Again, I'm sure most people listening to this want the most lean body mass retention. They want to maintain their, their metabolic capacity as high as possible. They want the best performance and recovery for workouts, not just seeing how much crap they can eat. So with that, you had mentioned, you know, we would typically, you and I suggest carbs be a little bit higher than fat in a calorie deficit. And, and I would like to touch on that. Although I recently did a series of talks about why some people may prefer a little bit more fat and a little bit less, less carb, not, not keto in any sense, not low carb in any sense, but where is that line? Do you go down to 15 or 20% of calories from fat? Can you come up to 25 or even 30, even in a calorie deficit, if you're willing to pay for that with carbs? So a lot of things to talk about there, but just the very first starting point, the calorie deficits, uh, there are a lot of calculators out there. You can use all kinds of standard equations that have been around for over hundred years, but knowing part of this is just the intuitive experience and education of a coach and I know that risk, like sounding like you're just going to throw a dart at a dartboard, you know, what kind of formulaic accounting do you use to start somebody in a calorie deficit? You've got a male, a female, they're this body comp or that their goal is to lose this much body fat or that, you know, how do you, how do you come up with that initial calorie deficit, Adam? 
Yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into it. The first thing I'm going to look at is protein because it's usually the easiest one. And we're going to base that off of their body type on, you know, maybe they're an endomorph and they probably have a slower metabolism. So I'm going to lower protein to give them more carbs for a metabolic perspective. I know that's going to be a long road for them to get leaner. And as carbs go down, we'll, you know, we'll have more carbs to work with because protein's lower. These people typically have a lot more muscle mass than your general population. Uh, however, they lose body fat way slower. Kind of the reverse of that with an ectomorph. Uh, also, there's some psychological evaluations that they just, they constantly move all the time. Uh, I think of my client, Deb, who would cheer and jump up and down whenever I said we were doing burpees. And uh, you could just see Deb dancing around and just anxious to train. And I thought, this is how this lady is all day. And she was nearly 60 years old, eating six, uh, 450 grams of carbs in the off season. And it just trumps almost anything we know from uh, more general clients. And uh, you could just see it in her activity level and how much she just constantly moved and you knew she moved from sun up to sundown. So there's those characteristics as well. And uh, somebody like that needs more protein because they're more active and they're, they're thinner. And I don't always want to equate protein with having muscle mass, but it's more of meeting that person, you know, with their expenditure needs. And uh, that person already is consuming a massive amount of carbs. So protein's just going to need to be higher to meet those carbohydrate goals too. How do you get the number? Where, where, where are you doing the math on protein? Yeah, so typically I'll be anywhere from 0.7 um, per lean pound of body mass, kind of guessing about where I think their absolute leanest body mass will be. And I might go up to, you know, two grams on somebody who I want really high up there. That's about as high as I'll go. Um, I usually don't even go up that high though. Per so pound or per kilogram? Point. I usually do it per, per pound, but I do it off of lean body mass too. So the I reason I interrupted you there, Adam, is again, this, I'm, and I'm being specific because there is so much uncertainty and so many questions about this. And I even recently saw a post where somebody said, you know, even, even taking this per pound, as you said, of lean body mass versus body weight can, can be a substantial difference. And so you're saying starting at 0.7 per pound of lean body mass. So I, I recently just did a body comp test, about 160 or so pounds of lean body mass. So 0.7 for me could be as low as around 135, 140 grams of protein. And you're saying that would be enough. And let me, let me do a little, little quick conversion. If you use the RDA and what the Global Protein Council or Protein Summit, a group that's been meeting for more than 20 years, says that's almost perfect where using the standard RDA, 0.8 grams of protein per kilo of body weight, then you extrapolate that, that puts me at about 60 to 65 grams per day. But the Protein Summit group would say that the RDA is, that's what you need to just survive. To really thrive, you need minimum two times 
So that gets me right about at that 0.7 mark that you were describing. So I would agree with you. That's a really good floor or just base level to start. And, and for people competing, dieting aggressively, training hard, a general population person, you know, that's where we could get back into sinking toward that RDA level. So anyway, again, sorry to interrupt you. I just want to make sure for people listening that they really know where we're getting these numbers. Yeah, that's perfect. And, uh, you know, I do like doing it that way because it, it, you never have to be married to where you give somebody their protein either. Um, that's the biggest thing about coaching is you tweak things as you go. It's not just necessarily set in stone. I will say protein tends to be one of the things I do move the least though. So that's also why I kind of start there too. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually from that point, I'll go into the carbohydrates based on where I think their metabolic rate is. And then I kind of fill in the rest with fats. The reason I fill the rest in for fats, there's a whole mentality aspect I like to take in consideration. If it's a gen pop client, I'm probably going to give them more fats. Uh, Maybe they travel a lot. So two or three meals a day might be, you know, even though healthy choices, they're probably going to consume more fat. And uh, as we're losing body fat, we actually use triglycerides as energy. So a lot of people have this assumption that low fat dieting is bad, or you're going to, you know, kill your hormones by going lower fat. That's really an overall calorie perspective. It's not really just linked to fats only, even though fats are, or hormones are cholesterol driven, your body's really good at using those triglycerides for energy and as a substrate for you know, performance too. So it's can not like you're can not. I, can I interject one caveat right there real quick? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Your body is good at using those triglycerides as a substrate for energy. If you're already in a calorie deficit and have enough glycogen depletion for that metabolic switch to have occurred, that's when fat adaptation starts happening and your body even becomes more efficient and better at burning body fat. If you constantly move back and forth, you know, between those metabolic positions of of being dominantly carb driven, then you'll never get quite as fat adapted. You'll never quite get some of those benefits of real, you know, decreased hunger and so forth. So I would agree that you at least have to be on a lower calorie, lower carb. And again, not low carb, not at all low carb, but just, you know, definitely keeping carbs in, but, but low enough to where your body's using body fats as its dominant secondary source between meals. And then, uh, what I'm going to, first of all, I agree everything, what you said about lifestyle clients who may need a little bit more fat just for variety and for cooking and eating in restaurants and so forth. Um, but I typically, instead of going to carbs and then seeing what we need to backfill for fat, I'll typically go to fat first because I'm going to have a dictum in my mind in terms of how hard does this calorie deficit need to be? Obviously, fat being twice as calorically dense, we can take some there. And we know if you have enough body fat to lose, the lower you take fat intake as a percentage of calories, as long as you're not getting too far under 20%, because that's when you can start decreasing testosterone in, in most studies, 
you know, then you're okay. So you can go down to as low as 20% calories from fat. And if you're, you know, if you're dieting, you know, somebody like me, I would go to 1750, 1850 calories right now today, if I were going to be in a calorie deficit, you're still getting 40, 45 grams of fats, which, you know, is plenty for your typical foods and meals. Obviously you're not going to eat all the fat that you could, that's a deficit, but it's, it's not like you're, you're just stomping and dabbing every you know, ounce of oil off of, of every chicken breast you grill. But anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. I just wanted to make sure that people understood how you even get through that metabolic position switch over to using fat as energy. And, uh, and now you were, you were going to talk about that interplay, I think between carbs and fat and some of the, the nuances you could have client to client. Yeah. So once we fill in the fats, you know, we'll kind of maybe go back and tweak carbs up. I, I might realize, Hey, I probably need to give them a little less protein because there might be some fats coming from protein to just kind of tweak those numbers perfectly. Um, all of my clients get a sample meal plan that's based off of their macros, not because I want them doing a meal plan, but the act of doing that as a coach makes sure that this is pretty feasible to hit. And if I'm really trying to crunch some numbers to hit their protein, carbs, and fats perfectly, I'm going to give them a little bit more room where I'm kind of struggling. Now, their food sources are probably going to be different than what I recommend, and that's fine. And they may have the complete opposite problem I had, but I like to work through a day so I can kind of see yeah, this is really hard to keep the fats that low. Maybe I should give them five more grams because I really had to scrimp to keep those fats down. And I think that gives you the perfect opportunity to live in your client's shoes for a day um, and really work through those numbers. You know, I was just reminded uh, somebody just who has worked with coaches in our company in the past emailed me yesterday and said, hey, I went to your calculator, the macro doc dot com calculator and punched in my criteria demographic questions a handful of questions and and this is what it gave me it's been working great i've lost a pound a week for the first four weeks and i said well hey let me let me see what those are because it always kind of makes me nervous i it took it took me almost a year to create this algorithm and it looked like uh, a scene from you know a beautiful mind or a rain man uh, with all these things and I, and I was really, really happy that even as she changed her demographic inputs and as her body weight was changing and she re-entered those numbers, you saw things shift exactly as you would describe about two times the RDA for protein. Um, you know, fat was moderately low, 20 to 25% carbs are right there. And, and I think what's important for beginners to realize is there, there are some standards, we're all different. We all, you know, from, from gender as a starting point to age, to activity level, to genetics, how much body fat we want to lose and how fast of a time frame. We, we have a lot of similarities. You know, the human metabolism is on a continuum. But if you look at that, most of the reliable studies I've seen show that the average basal metabolic rate for a female, so resting metabolic rate, is around 1,350 calories. For men, it's about 1,650 calories. So if you keep that in mind, and, and again, that's very average. So maybe 18 years old to 80 years old and everybody in between from super sedentary to super active, super great metabolic genetics, horrible metabolic genetics, that's the 50 yard line. So maybe make some allowances for where you think you fall, but then you've got to add in your activity, 
So that's basal metabolic rate. So now add in how many calories you're going to burn per day for training or maybe extra non-activity thermogenesis um, and then your non-exercise activity. Then you have to take the calorie deficit out. So you're adding calories in for what you think your expenditure is, what you need your calorie deficit to be. And, and you can see where you might need to start. Then whether you have a coach or you're doing this yourself, it's still a process of evaluating how it's going, making decisions, fine tuning. So when you start with a typical client, how do you set them up to know that this is going to be a dynamic process? We might have some changes right off the bat. How does that interplay usually work with you and your clients? I know with me, um, you know, we get them in the Facebook group right away and they can see that uh, we offer the daily calls Monday through Friday. So that's great one-on-one -on -one time. And uh, even if they just go in and listen, they can hear the questions that my clients are asking and, you know, how I respond to them and how it makes other people raise the hand in the room. Well, what about me? You know, uh, so that's helpful. But I, I really do, uh, and I believe you do this as well, I specify that this is just the starting point and this isn't just a plan and that this will be changed on a week-to-week -week basis um, as long as you check in and send your summaries and send accurate information. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing too is I, I think for anybody listening that you really feel like you need to back up and learn these foundational principles first, consider the length of time that you need and then consider that it's probably going to be longer than you think. And then do you want to allow for social events, diet breaks, vacations? Do you have any plans on being ready early so you can go through a metabolic building or pre-contest reversal phase to get your calorie intake back up? A lot of these things matter. This, this, this new client I mentioned that I spoke to this morning, you know, she said a six-month prep sounds like, wow, I've never done that. I've never dieted more than 12 or 16 weeks. And, and I told her, well, you know, we're hitting summer. I expect there'd be some weeks of neutrality. You're going to have these events and so forth. And I, and I explained how we want to be ready about four months early, or about four weeks, not four months. Um, and, and it just, it really does change the landscape. I think that's some of the, some of the biggest uh, misunderstandings come from somebody getting ready for their contest and they think they've got it mapped out. They think they know just with linear math when they're going to look their best and very, very few people get there. It, it takes a couple of times competing. And I think if you just consider some of those, those buffer points I mentioned, you'll, you'll, you'll give yourself enough time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, we can't give you everything up front. And that's always the hardest part of a coach is giving a client enough information and then not enough. Sometimes I have a client to me with a GI issue, and it's a lot more complex than just your regular client. If they're already struggling with constipation, we need to figure out, well, what is what they're eating causing it? Or do they have a serious issue where they maybe need medical attention? Um, maybe it's been ignored for a really long period of time. And uh, kind of get an idea of what they're currently eating, because obviously that's not working at this point in time. So what, what are some of the offensive foods? So even though me and Joe are really big 
um, influencers for macro dieting, it's always more than just macros. It's looking at food logs and, you know, helping you work through problems. It's, it's not always going to be, you know, the easiest, uh, the easiest route, you know, well, you brought up digestion and it made me think that we actually do have a couple series on that specifically. So I think that's really important for people to look at because the foods you consume matter. And, and it's a great transition to maybe a final point for this episode, which is, I, I, who knows, I, I, th- I think back to when I was 16, 17, 18, starting to diet for the first time, and I'm just following meal plans from magazines. Um, I have no idea if that hurt my GI system. I know later in my bodybuilding career, trying keto and other things really did have some disastrous effects. But, um, you know, for somebody just looking in from the outside, you see these foods that are supposed to be, quote, clean and healthy. And all of a sudden you start eating a ton of raw vegetables or just just things that your body's not used to. That can be horrible for uh, not just your gut microbiome, but, but your structural ability to even digest those things. We're just not designed for that. So I, I think, number one, understanding that digestion should always be good. If you see something going awry, that's not just a cost of doing business that you have to absorb to get lean. You just probably are eating some foods that are uh, offensive to your GI system, something with too much lactose, too much, you know, too much, you know, oligosaccharides. So um, you said you give your clients a sample meal plan, as do I, and I'm typically asking them what foods they like, what, what, what's pretty normal to them. And I will pick out foods that I think could be causing issues. And I'll ask, you know, do you have any digestive issues? But then I'll always go back to looking for a good mix of, of fiber amount, fiber type, starchy carbs, maybe some carbs from fruit. I'm going to look at protein sources that could be an issue for some people, those that may have more lactose. Uh, and so I think that's just a really critical point. And I know you take this seriously as well. So how detailed do you get on just that, that kind of food quality issue? Yeah, so that's always a struggle because you adherence is going to be the biggest key. And we understand the thermic effects of food are different. And even though there's some power in that, there's more power to a client being able to adhere to their macros. Uh, <laughs> I just caught my name on a forum the other day. I guess it's a forum called Gym Snark where they like bash coaches. <laughs> And someone said it to me because uh, someone had left their coach for me and they were just praising. They said there was no way I could stick to how rigid this other coach was. Um, she said I wanted some sugar here and there and Adam was cool with it and this other coach was not. And she said it was just more sustainable for my lifestyle and the other coach couldn't prove to me why I couldn't have that. And uh, I, I thought, yay for me, but it does need to be sustainable. So yes, do we get a better thermic effect from, you know, whole foods versus like a Pop-Tart? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, your adherence matters. And I think one thing that we have to keep into consideration, and I think the only person I know who's really dug into this is Eric Helms 
on mindset with contest dieting. And uh, you just really can't put a calculation on how long just such a rigid diet can take a mental toll on you. It's just not really in our DNA to, <laughs> you know, diet off of the same food years and years at a time. And uh, it's just hard to say how much damage can be done. And I know even with our flexible approach, we've had women who get close to that almost eating disorder type behavior. And, uh, you know, luckily we have, uh, you know, training on our staff for that. And, uh, you know, it's a scary place for clients to wind up in. And some people end up there faster than other people. So it's uh, something that uh, is kind of immeasurable, but it needs to be mentioned. No, that's a really good little little bonus uh, clip there because there's an interplay. I mean, you're right. Our mesolimbic dopamine system wants some novelty and we're going to crave some things sometimes. And then, as I mentioned, we're going to have some social occasions that really dictate that we should socially do that. But uh, I also think that we have a preponderance of evidence that we still do better both with all the endocrine system functionality, blood sugar fluctuations, when we have a good structure base. So we eat a lot of the same meals every day. We have the same foods. We're not making changes in wholesale amounts every day, just waking up and deciding what we're going to eat all day on the fly. I think most people even want that. I mean, they ask us for that. Tell me exactly what to eat. What do you think is best? I'm, I'm going to be, when we're finished here, doing a meal plan for a, a super high educated client who still wants just my opinion. If, you know, show me what you would have me eat, Joe. And yes, I'll, I'll make some of those nuanced changes when I feel I need to. But, you know, they really do want to see the science behind why certain foods eaten at certain times and certain patterns works well. So that is that, that dynamic interplay between flexibility and structure that we're constantly dancing. But one final thing, Adam, I'm going to say, I also saw our names on a chat somewhere and somebody was making fun of us. Uh, it's something that we did. They, they said, well, these guys don't even lift. They've never competed. What do they know? So there you go. Um, obviously wrong. Um, 20 years, you know, as a career pro bodybuilder, I, I think, I think our experience speaks for itself. But at the same time, I love the fact that there are people out there just looking for good information for the right reasons. So, um, so as always, happy that we did this one. I think it just creates kind of a foundation for maybe another couple like this, though. I've, I feel like we just laid the foundation for proper setup for nutrition. And as you said, we're going to leave some of the decisions to clients. I think somebody looking at this today would even say, well, gosh, they didn't give me an exact number. Tell me the exact percent. Tell me how many grams. Give me a formula. Give me an algorithm. And it, it just, it shouldn't work that way. You and I recognize that, but we'll, we'll talk off camera about maybe some next steps to, to build a series out of this to, to really get people launched into a full productive prep. So once again, Adam, I appreciate it. And everybody watching Contest Prep University, we'll see you next time.